It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It's our Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. Coming up on the show today, Larry Vaught will lead us off. Uh, We'll chat with David Sisk from Cats Illustrated, uh, a little bit of his take on uh, basketball recruiting, and in particular, I want to talk about Cade Cunningham, what might happen there. And we'll finish up today with Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. Right at the end of the show yesterday, we told you about uh, the news that Marty broke about uh, Maxfield, one of the leading Kentucky Derby contenders, who's going to skip the Belmont Stakes in favor of the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland. So we'll talk about... All of that coming up on today's edition of the Leach Report. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. It's private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. We'll start with a story out of Sports Illustrated. The NCAA Division I Football Oversight Committee is sharing a potential six-week practice plan with schools now. And the idea is to target the beginning of the football season as scheduled on Labor Day weekend. Uh, July 13th is when summer workouts could potentially uh, begin with film study. Training camp could start on August 7th. Date might be a little flexible. There's some schools that uh, open the week before Labor Day, so they would, uh, I would assume, get to start a little bit earlier. So, again, it, everything at the moment is trending toward a uh, start of the football season on time. Um, still haven't heard much discussion yet about uh, what the fan component might be, the fans in the stands. So that'll probably be, I'm guessing, you'll probably start to hear more of that discussion probably you know, sometime maybe next month as uh, they see how the numbers uh, play out from the reopening and um, let all the data come in. Uh, we were talking about Cade Cunningham uh, a moment ago. Corey Evans, who writes for the Rivals Network, uh, talked with Cade right as the news was breaking about the NCAA hitting the Oklahoma State men's basketball program harder than most expected, including a ban on playing in the NCAA tournament. And Evans said, quote, I still don't think Cade knows what he wants to do. And Evans thinks that it's going to take a while for this to play out. Everyone at uh, Oklahoma State, he says, was surprised by the severity of the ruling. Uh, Cunningham's uh, brother is an assistant coach at Oklahoma State. The coach there at uh, OSU has uh, been quoted as as saying he's open to to working with Cunningham on whatever he wants to do if he does, in fact, want to leave. A lot of people think G League. Yesterday we told you that, uh, I think it was Corey Evans said that he thought overseas would be the more likely option if Cunningham decided to go professional. All this is particularly pertinent here, obviously, because Kentucky was trying hard to land him and uh, was widely viewed as the runner-up. Uh, Coffee with Cal yesterday uh, resumed his uh, weekly Facebook show, and um, it uh, guests including former Wildcat Reed Travis, uh, Marvin Lewis, former Bengals head coach, uh, Harvard coach Tommy Amaker, and Victor Oladipo of the Pacers. And uh, they talked a lot about 
uh, race and sports and helping uh, minorities uh, get opportunities. And uh, Cal said one thing he wants to do is establish an exe- what he called an executive development program for minorities in the UK Athletics Department. Could include uh, internships and things like media and marketing and management compliance um, and. It sounds like an excellent idea because a lot of changing the the way things look starts with changing the opportunities are there for people to and you you do it from the ground up give people opportunities um, to uh, get involved to make it uh, real that they have a, a chance feel like they have a chance to through the system. Malik Monk reinstated to the Hornets. He had been suspended back in February for a violation of the league's anti-drug policy. So uh, he is back uh, in good standing with the Hornets. So happy for Malik. And Charlatan from the uh, horse racing wire has a minor ankle injury and uh, means, I think this came out over the weekend, trainer Bob Baffert says no Belmont stakes and uh, Probably not the Derby. They'd look at possibly targeting the the Preakness as the the next big event for Charlotte, and who won a division of the Arkansas Derby. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're heading to a break. When we come back, Larry Vaught joins the program. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Welcome back into our show for this Tuesday. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on Larry Vaught. Larry, how goes it? Doing well, Tom. Getting ready to uh, load up and go hiking at Parable Battlefield today with my grandson. So, looking forward to a fun day. Good for you. Good day for it. It looks like so. Good for you. Yeah. Hope hope they don't wear me out. But we're gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> give it a try. <laughs> well, it uh, signs continue to point toward uh, all of us uh, working a football game on Labor Day weekend. Don't know if we'll. We don't know where yet. If we'll. If we'll all be in the press box at Kroger Field or or how it'll play out. But it does seem like uh, everything's trending toward the football season starting on time. Certainly looking better. There's no setbacks and there's more progress being made slowly. And I think everyone is taking the cautious approach and not going into anything too fast. So I think you definitely have to be more optimistic than what you would have been, say, just two weeks ago. And I know there have been reports around the country, various programs talking about you know this number of our players that have come back have tested positive like a couple at marshall five at alabama um i think it it it, it would be more worrisome if if everybody said nobody had it because it just seems logical that you know as widespread as the thing has been that you're going to have some people that uh contract it and hopefully you can manage it better once you have them kind of in your own bubble so to speak but um it's uh something that they're going to have to and, and do have a plan to deal with. Yeah, they're going to have to continue that plan going forward. I would think one of the good things will be is most of these athletes coming back, that even if they test positive, they're probably not going to be ones that are, are any serious health risk, I wouldn't I wouldn't think. But, but just knowing that they're back on campus, they're being tested, and are going to be continually tested, they will all probably be a lot safer than they ever were at home. 
I'm sure a lot of our listeners around the state are interested in high school sports. Uh, football, one of the first ones that will be scheduled to start back up. Uh, what do you think about that level? I don't know, Tom. I, I was talking to some different coaches who started doing what they were allowed last week and are, are pretty excited. But then there's also a number of school systems across the state that haven't given the okay for the athletes to be back or the coaches to be back doing anything with them. I don't think, as far as I know, there's been any approval to start anything in, in Fayette County yet. So, Again, now we're here at June 8th. There's still got plenty of time, but I think you just still worry a little, a lot more about whether there's going to be high school sports than you do college sports. Uh, Larry Vaught with us from VaughtsViews.com. It's at VaughtsViews on Twitter as well. Uh, Cal yesterday on his uh, Coffee with Cal segment um, had uh, a whole panel of, of guests talking about some of the uh, – the issues going on in the, in the world with respect to uh, racial relations, tensions, etc. And um, one of the things he talked about was uh, trying to establish a program where you could get uh, minority students involved in things like uh, media, you know, marketing, etc. I think that seems like a good idea. Yeah, absolutely, it's a good idea. And it's it's a shame it took something like what has happened to make that maybe become a reality. But it's it's definitely a, a good idea, and you can just look around most most press rooms and and see why that would be a really good idea. And the same with most uh, university marketing departments. There, there's some minority presence, but certainly could be a lot more. And if you're a young person, if you see somebody in a field you have some interest in, it gives you more hope that you could be in that field. Absolutely, it gives you kind of a. Uh, a role model or just a mm-hmm. belief that, yeah, if it could work for them, it could work for for me. And I think that's a really good idea that John Calipari has had. And I think that'll be one of the really good things that comes out of all of this. I think you'll see a lot of places making more of an emphasis to do that and giving some deserving people more opportunities. I know you talk to uh, a lot of the, the parents of kids that come through here um, and I was just reading a, a story at the Athletic uh, Kyle Tucker caught up to uh, some of the basketball parents and they're all uh, very uh, appreciative of some of the, the genuine efforts uh, they're seeing from, from Cal with respect to their kids and that they feel good about how their their kids are, are going to be cared for and, and uh, at, uh, here at the University of Kentucky it, it is a, you know, whatever school your, your young person is going off to, whether they're an athlete or not, but in particular, if they're going to be spending, you know, a lot of time in with one particular individual or, or program, like an athlete does, um, that's just an understandable concern. And I think it uh, it is a good look for the University of Kentucky that uh, coaches here have been very uh, genuine uh, with the actions and that, that they've taken whether it's Cal or Stoops in the, the march last week and uh, something I saw Rachel Lawson tweeted yesterday. I mean, it's, it's some very uh, definitive, uh, strong actions and, and uh, words coming from the various coaches. Yeah, I would expect no less from, from any of them. And I know I've had, and I'm sure you have two times, you've seen people say, well, just uh, sometimes they're just doing things, go to recruiting ploy and think maybe it'll help them in recruiting and, and everything. And I tell people that I don't buy that because 
anything that a major college coach does impacts recruiting one way or the other. If they if they don't do something, it can impact recruiting. If they do do something, it can impact recruiting. That's just because everything they do is so scrutinized and, and looked at. So I don't believe for a minute that what they have done has just been because of, of a recruiting ploy. It's just what they believe and do in just their daily lives, and I kind of applaud them all for what they have done. Amen. Uh, we'll get to a quick break. Larry Vaught's with us coming up on uh, 22 past the top of the hour. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We'll be right back. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Larry Vaught with us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline from Vaught'sViews.com. Let's uh, talk about a couple of stories that uh, are up there. First one. I had on my list was you caught up to Isaiah Jackson's high school coach, and he thinks in a couple of years Isaiah could play his way into being a lottery pick. Yeah, David McGlone only had Isaiah for his, for his senior season, and I talked to him several different times before the season, twice during the season, and again just recently after the season. And obviously, David was pretty excited to have him when he got there. Was pretty pleased after a month or so with him but then by the time the season ended said that Isaiah had just exceeded basically anything that he ever expected from him and that he just continued to get better and was and he praised his work ethic and said that he thought with the skill set he had and what they'd be able to add to him once he gets to Kentucky. He's thinking, you know, within two years he's a guy that could be a lottery pick and I still kinda of feel like he's gonna be and it's hard to say he's a top 15, 20 guy that he's going to be underrated, but I think in a couple of years people are going to look back and say, wow, this kid was really something, and Kentucky was really fortunate to get him when they did. It looks like a guy with just tremendous upside. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw him play when he was a junior, and he was on that Spire Academy team. It was kind of like a traveling circus when they <laughs> came to town, and they had so many good players and and, and all of this pack the gyms and have people lined up waiting to watch him play. And he kind of was just a, a more of a role player there with, with that group and understood what he needed to do and did it. Last year, I think he got a chance to expand his game a, a little bit more and show what he could do. One of the things that his coach talked about that he said because he knew that he needed to get ready for the next level, that he kind of just said, hey, I want you to shoot at least four or five three-pointers every game just to get used to doing that and showing people that you can do it. I don't want you just running up and down the floor dunking and being able to use your athleticism to get inside and score. I want you to go ahead and work on expanding your game. And he did. He averaged nearly a triple-double all season and what really just was very impressive. And, and also, for the first time, kind of had to learn to be our handle being the center of attention because he was the guy on his team. And, his, and the coach talked about it as the year went on, how much more comfortable he got with that role, and I think that's probably pretty good preparation for coming to Kentucky, too. True. Uh, something else that another story you have up at the site, and I kind of had the same reaction I think you did from the headline on the article when CBS came out with their top 16 impact freshman. B.J. Boston was on it. Terrence Clark was not. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, I don't really know how you could have 16 players and not have Terrence, and I don't pretend to be a, a recruiting ranking expert or anything like that, but if, if there's 16 better incoming freshmen in college basketball than Terrence Clark, then college basketball is going to have a hell of a season, that's all I would say. So <laughs> he, 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 he is something. And, and again, I don't know whether you're ranking fourth, ninth, twelfth, 
but I just don't see any way you could have a, recruit, a ranking of 16 best players coming in and not have Terrence Clark on that list. But maybe uh, that'll be something. Maybe they'll pull the Mark Stoops UK football out there to see something they can use for a little extra motivation for Terrence. Maybe so, because I was looking at the list. First thing I did, I, I uh, scrolled down, I found Boston, and I thought, okay, well, where's Sir Clark's got to be on here too. And as I said, got to, got to the end of the list and no uh, no Terrence. Um, yeah. Talk with Larry Vaught from uh, com. Another story you have up at the site. Um, I think this came out of your chat with Roger Harden um, that uh, talking about Eddie Sutton and his love for taking the charge. Yeah, Really had a fun time talking with, with Roger with his memories of, of Eddie Southern. And the one thing that he talked about was that there was no play in, in basketball that excited Eddie more than taking a charge and how he emphasized that to his players all the time. That they, they knew they had to play defense to be able to get on the court. That was just a priority with, with Eddie. But if you could take a charge, man, he would get so excited. And that they practiced taking charges a lot. And if, if, and I can remember back to guess how many times uh, that Eddie Sutton's teams at Kentucky took charges. And it was just uh, something that he really, really believed in and really worked hard to do. And, of course, it's been thirty, almost 35 years now, and obviously Roger still remembers that well. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know some coaches even, you know, track that uh, stat and, uh, and, I, and I understand the, the, from the standpoint of the, the sacrifice element and giving up your body. I just think, uh, it's something that should be managed better in, in terms of how officials are told to call the game. I would like to see it be kind of difficult to get a charging foul, actually, that it have to be really egregious. They ought to err on the side of making games more, uh, offensive oriented. Yeah, just probably a good thing you didn't have to sit down and have a discussion with Eddie about that before yes. Eddie passed because I don't I don't think you'd have won that argument with him. No, I, I don't uh, I don't think I would either. Uh, Larry, appreciate the time as always. Um, you know, um, stay safe today. Um, walk, walk, uh, walk tall, <laughs> and uh, stay hydrated. <laughs> yeah, lo- lo- loading the water bottles up right now. Ah, boy, thank you much. Have a good walk. Bye, right, Tom. Okay. Larry Vaughn going hiking with the grandkids today at uh, Perryville. Uh, we are halfway home on this edition of the Leach Report. When we come back, David Sisk from Cats Illustrated. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Second half of our Tuesday show as we welcome in David Sisk for Rights for Cats Illustrated, covering basketball recruiting, among other things. And um, I want to start with uh, Cade Cunningham, David. I know uh, I think you've talked to uh, the Rivals national writer, Corey Evans, uh, What's what's your take on uh, where this stands at the moment with Cunningham and uh, what he's thinking after the NCAA dropped the hammer on OSU basketball? Well, Corey had some interesting takes on Cade. Um, I think his feeling is that um, Oklahoma State would still be where he would go if he opted to stay in college. Um and, and his reasoning is, and it makes sense, that they have put in so much time on him, for one, and that 
you know, Tate has been committed for months now, and I think we've, we've known for a while, you know, even before he signed that, that they were the favorite, and he's his brothers on the staff, and that, you know, he has basically been mentally prepared for almost a year now to go to Oklahoma State, and to change his mind two or three weeks beforehand that, that he's supposed to go to campus would, would be odd. Uh, but he feels like uh, professionally will be an option. And I thought it was interesting that he seemed to think that it will him and John Kaminga both that overseas uh, might be a stronger option in G League. And, and I thought that really the G League had really kind of flexed its muscles. So that's something that I'm going to be watching closely, and I think we all should if he – if he goes, uh, does go pro, can they get, can the international route get these guys over to the G League? But, you know, I think the interesting thing Corey said also was that Kentucky, uh, was as close to getting him when he took his official visit as you could get, uh, to, to, uh, nailing a putter down. And, uh, his family basically talked him out of it. You know, he was that close to doing it. So, you know, a lot of different, uh, interesting angles in this one. That as far as the staying at OSU versus going to another college, specifically Kentucky, uh, that was kind of my thinking as I was uh, looking at this this particular case. Because if he was, if the NCAA tournament meant that much to him, he'd have picked Kentucky over Oklahoma State to begin with. Yeah, and you know, there's to the talk too that you know Mike Boynton and, and Cade are both saying about the quote was flabbergasted over uh, uh, the NCAA decision, and I, I, it sounds good, but I'll be honest with you, I don't believe it. Uh, I think we all knew this was coming. Uh, I think we all know that uh, this is expected for not only Oklahoma State, but for LSU and North Carolina State and Kansas. And I mean, this is, this is going to be coming down. So uh, uh, I think anybody who who says that they were unprepared for this or surprised by it's just dodging reality, really. Talking with David Sisk from CatsIllustrated.com. When uh, you talked with uh, the Rivals national writer, uh, Corey Evans, uh, you said he uh, thought that overseas was more of a route for uh, Cunningham, maybe even Kaminga, than the G League. Why was that, did he say? You know, I'm curious if they're just throwing a lot of money out there. Um you know, they it felt like they had the route with R.J. Hampton and LaMelo Ball. And, you know, now there's no doubt that money is a huge issue compared to the G League. And, and, and the G League's throwing six figures out now. And you can also get the endorsements. Uh, so a lot of these guys are cutting shoe deals. But if a player goes internationally, and let's say they sign a million-dollar contract in Australia – it takes the NBA has to match that contract to get the rights for a draft. So if you sign a million dollar contract in Australia, you're basically signing a two million dollar contract, and then you're getting shoe deals. And I think RJ uh, Hampton and Lamelo Ball got up to five million dollars, and the G League can't match that. So I, and I know that the NBA is really wanting to keep their, – their battles not with college basketball, from what Eric Bossy tells me. It's with the uh, overseas. You know, I think these players getting away, uh, uh, another league getting the uh, promotions, but also, uh, uh, you know, they have to beat these contracts to get them back into the draft. And I know 
a million dollars is probably not a lot for them, but you know it's still a million dollars, especially in, in these times here where where you know they're looking at the finances being slashed because of COVID. So the, the bottom line sounds like to all of this discussion as it pertains to Cade Cunningham, Cunningham is if you're a Kentucky fan, don't hold out a lot of hope that he ends up here. No, I wouldn't. Now, let me say this: if he does go anywhere else. You know, I think Kentucky would be right there, uh, uh, would be a school that he would consider first. But I've kind of heard behind the scenes, too, uh, from a source close to Kentucky side that it's not going to happen. So, no, I, I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't hold my breath, as you said. Uh, Musa Cisse uh, has postponed a decision that he was set to make. What are you hearing on that front? Uh, that it's probably still going to be LSU. Uh, simply because of long-standing relationships that he has with the coaching staff, you know, um, and I understand, and I don't want to downplay this at all. They said he was putting uh, uh, things uh, off just because of the social unrest, but it also coincided with Dick Vitale's uh, uh, report that LSU had been given a notice of allegations, which. You know, the athletic department there denies, but you know it's going to happen. That's something he has to consider. But uh, Corey felt pretty safe here that even if that happens, and, and I think it's not if but when, that, you know, he's still going to go to LSU. Saw a story on uh, the football page at CBS Sports from their writer, Dennis Stodd, but it would include and uh, pertain to basketball as well, a uh, representative from Ohio who was a player at Ohio State, um, says that there is support on Capitol Hill for legislation to help the NCAA with the name, image, and likeness issue, but that with COVID-19 and other things, it is not as high up on, on the uh, legislators' priority list. So that's going to be an interesting thing to, to follow as it pertains to, uh, you know, it'll pertain somewhat to recruiting, I guess, because um, you've got a couple of states that have already passed uh, laws that uh, open the door to this, and the NCAA is looking for some kind of national guidance. And I don't know how long it's going to take Congress to actually get to the, get around to that. Yeah, and I think especially from the basketball side, because you've got to think if if you are a a player and you go to Oklahoma State or you go to LSU, you know, the football schools or Auburn or wherever. You know, how much interest is there uh, for the basketball players? You're, you're always going to be the second down campus, whereas, you know, Kentucky, we, we know what that brings with it. So, I mean, I think you're just talking about autograph sessions. Just just looking at that, if, if you're a, a, a five-star player and you decide you want to have an autograph session in, in Lexington or somewhere like that – and What's going to be the difference in turnout compared to having it in Phoenix City, Alabama? You know, so um, um, it's. I, I think there, that obviously would be a huge selling point for John Calipari, just talking about from the basketball end of it. Bringing this back to recruiting, we were talking about Cunningham and Cisse and, and others. At this point, do you think the the roster of players that Cal has is the roster that he will have when school starts? Yes, the only question, and it's a big one, is going to be whether or not Olivier Sar is eligible. I think that's the only shoe left to drop. 
yeah, and we don't know what the timeline is for that. And, you know, and you can, depending on who you want to uh, hear from um, or read, uh, you can be optimistic or pessimistic. Pessimistic. I have uh, been on the optimistic side of this, so um, uh, we will uh, see how it plays out. I, I would imagine it'll take a little while. Well, I'm going to tell you what. If, if, if Tom Leach is optimistic, I would feel good about it. But uh, I, I'm going to tell you something I do feel good about is is how and they're totally two separate issues. And I was going to do an article on go back the last two or three years and look at every player who had transferred because of a, their head coach being fired. And I was told, hey, don't really – that's just going to be a waste of time because each case is is its own. I mean, you, you can't take one guy granted eligibility and compare it to another one. Every case is individual. But Johnny Juzang getting uh, the ruling he did that quickly, and that's I think that's what we want. We you know even for the kids' sake, we want to know quickly, and, and then John Calipari maybe could go from there. Uh, but um, you know, it is good that uh, two weeks ago that all three rulings were in favor of the player getting immediate eligibility. Uh, so, you know, we're going to see, but obviously we hope it's sooner rather than later. And, you know, we've seen cases where it's gone into December, and then instead of players deciding whether or not they're going to play, they were granted eligibility in December, and then they end up redshirting because of the delay. And, you know, that's the last thing you want. I think if it tarries on like that, he probably goes to Europe. Yeah, from what he said, that would uh, certainly be the expectation. David, appreciate the time. Thank you much. All right, Tom. Thanks as always. It's David Sisk, and you can read him at catsillustrated.com. He joins us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Kentucky Hemp Works is a family-run operation. They grow the hemp, process it on site there in their operation in Christian County and in western Kentucky. They turn it into CBD oil and hemp root salve. My son used the hemp root salve recently for a sprained ankle and uh, really helped. Um, they have a couple of new products for fishermen that use hemp seeds, made entirely from hemp seeds, that can help you catch more fish. So you can check all this out at KentuckyHempWorks.com. More than just CBD. They have a YouTube channel as well. Get educated a little bit on uh, what the hemp industry could mean for the farmers here in Kentucky. We'll be right back on the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Back into our Tuesday edition of the show, we welcome to the program Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. You had the story that came out yesterday just near the end of our show about Maxfield opting to run in the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland over the the Belmont Stakes. Um, And I know you talked to the trainer of Maxfield. Marty, do you think this was mainly a, a timing issue for when they wanted to space out the horses' races? Yeah, it's it's one of these things that have been kind of his, their hand has been forced by the coronavirus crisis. Uh, you know the the Triple Crown Tom has been turned on its side with all the rescheduling, the Derby going to September five, and the Belmont coming first. So uh, Brendan Walsh, the trainer of Maxfield for the Go Dolphin Powerhouse, uh, he and 
the powers that be within that organization decided um, the Derby is, is the prize. And it has been, as you know, Tom, since the days of Worldly Manor back in the late 90s, early 2000s. That uh, Godolphin came out and said, "Derby is what we want to get." So um, this is the way they feel is, is best to proceed. They'll run in the Bluegrass on July the 11th during that five-day week uh, that we'll be having at Keeneland, and then uh, he may or may not have another race before that. Uh, Going to play it one race at a time uh, before the September 5th Derby. The um, over the years, I've interviewed a lot of trainers and jockeys, and you've. Uh, interviewed a whole lot more but i know a lot of them have said when people ask you know what do you what do you do for a living i'm a trainer i'm a jockey uh have you ever won the kentucky derby or if you're running the kentucky derby so it's the derby's always the biggest prize yeah it is and it's kind of disrupted you know the triple crown we there are basically three favorites right now for the derby tom that those being tis the law Honor AP, who just won the Santa Anita Derby on Saturday, and then Maxfield. Well, two of those three are not running in the Belmont for timing purposes primarily. So, his the law looks like he'll be three to five or so when they run the race a week from Saturday in New York. Uh, and then, you know, I, I imagine he'll probably win. Just Todd Fletcher has three horses in there. I think they're talking about maybe 10 or so horses running in that. So, uh, kind of off to an inauspicious start in terms of the triple crown for 2020 but <laughs> as you know it's very typical for for the, the sports world and the world in general right now yes this is uh, very much an, an atypical year you mentioned honor ap that won the santa anita derby last weekend uh i watched that race he beat a uh heavily favored baffert runner authentic and was, i thought was very impressive uh and uh he looks like a really strong derby prospect yeah, my colleague Jay Pridman and I, we've been doing the Derby Watch since, I guess, late February. And uh, right now we have three solid favorites. As I mentioned, we've got Tizalaw 5 to This is for the Derby. Uh, Tizalaw 5 to 2, uh, Honor AP at 3 to 1, and Maxfield at 4 to 1. Everybody else, including Authentic, is 15 to 1 or higher on our early line. So that's pretty indicative, I think, of, of the way the picture is right now. Uh, I would imagine if Tizalaw were to win the Belmont, he'd, he'd be an even heavier favorite. But uh, Honor IP, as you said, looked good. John Sheriffs has not uh, really pinned down a race. There is a, a race uh, at Del Mar, I think, that he might use as, a, as an early stepping stone. It's mid-July, I think. And uh, so he'll probably stay in California until they come this way for the Derby. Yeah, yeah, back to you know, how much of a uh, non normal atypical whatever word you want to use year this is that you know back in the uh, basketball season would have been normally wrapping up you know we would have thought bob baffert might have you know heck the top two or three choices in the derby and now as you just mentioned your derby watch he's not in the top three anymore yeah well he had nadal who was injured a couple of weeks ago he had charlatan who's come down with a minor injury and bob came out a few days ago and said uh, he's out, he's not going to make the Belmont or the Derby, and then he had Authentic, whose stock clearly fell when he was defeated rather soundly by Honor AP. So, uh, t- <laughs> timing is everything. If they had run the Derby on May the second, uh, it's quite plausible that Baffert would have had three of the top four choices, and he might well have won his record tying sixth Kentucky Derby. But uh, it wasn't to be, and now he's he's got a, a maiden breaker from Saturday named Cezanne for the famous artist uh, who looked real good, and he's, he's been really highly touted. Actually, we've got him 15-1 to 1 on our Derby Watch line, too. So uh, that's 
you know, Bob has such a deep bench that that's the way it goes for him. But but clearly his his top three are all kind of uh, either sidelined or, or not as highly regarded anymore. And in the Kentucky Oaks side of it, uh, Kenny McPeak, uh, Lexington native, has Swiss Skydiver, who was an easy winner of uh, a uh, race on the Santa Anita Derby undercard. And do you think she'll come back in the Ashland Stakes? I don't know if he would do that. He's got like a jillion Derby uh, Oaks points for her already. I mean, she's safely in the race. He'll probably work backward from the September 4 Kentucky Oaks. With I, I would imagine he'll run her once. Maybe it would be the Ashland, which will be on that Saturday, July 11th. But, uh, man, she has she has won at, uh, what, uh, Oaklawn, Gulfstream, and Santa Anita. And I bet Kenny wishes that July 11th wasn't the Ashland. I bet he wishes it was the Oaks, because right now he has the number one filly for the Oaks right now. Yeah, and she is uh, on top of her game, absolutely. Marty, thank you for the time. Um, we'll uh, hopefully see you at uh, Churchill Downs one day soon. Churchill Downs, maybe Keeneland. Yeah, there we go. Sounds good. Marty McGee, Daily Racing Forum. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter and uh, at drf.com. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. Our UK history note is a birthday. Guy who's had a lot of connection to the UK program over the years. Dickie V, Dick Vitale, celebrating a birthday today. Uh, one of his best teams when he was coaching at Detroit uh, made it to the Sweet 16 and played in Rupp Arena. Uh, it was in 77, uh, UNCC uh, ended up coming out of that region with Mike Pratt as an assistant coach. Um, we'll get to, we're, we're at the end of the show. We'll see you tomorrow here on the Leach Report. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on the Leech Report Radio Network.